Vix the Convince. Welcome to the Vix the Convince podcast. Here's your host, NewSpark founder, Paul Mosenson. Hey, it's Paul Mosenson. Welcome to the podcast, Fix the Convince. So how's everybody doing out there? Good? We have an interesting guest today, and her name is Carolyn Frith, and we're going to talk about this topic of buyer persona research and how important that is in your marketing and lead generation strategy, especially when it comes to content marketing and engaging with your prospects properly. So, Carolyn, hi. How are you there, Carolyn? I'm doing fine. How about you, Paul? Pretty good. Pretty good. So, who is Carolyn Frith, anyway? Well, she's owner of carolynfrith.com and also been a, an alliance of mine at New Spark Marketing. She spent decades in leadership roles in both consumer and B2B marketing. And over the last 10 years, she's been heavily involved in content marketing, taking projects from research through implementation. To develop content strategy, she has always advocated for starting with buyer persona research to better understand customers and their information needs. How's that? I made it up myself. It's good, except for the CamillaFrith.com. Okay, right. <laughs> But anyway, that's Frith, by the way, F-R-I-T-H. So anyway, we're going to talk about buyer persona research, and I guess I'll get right in with the questions. So for the listeners out there, I mean, what exactly is buyer persona research? And uh, explain the importance of it as a stepping stone to a marketing strategy. Well, buyer persona research is the, the research itself is basically talking to your customers. And this isn't any kind of quantitative research. It's in-depth interviews with them where you really get down to the depth of their thinking patterns um, and reveal some insights. And the purpose of doing it is so that you can create a clear picture of who your customer is and more importantly, uh, map their buying journey from the moment they decide they need a solution or to solve a problem, um, all the way up through a purchase decision. Um, so it's, it's important to understand that B2B personas are different than consumer um, type personas. Um, basically, the consumer personas really focus on demographics and psychographics, um, but with B2B personas, we get much more into the decision-making process, and by doing so, that really helps in developing a content strategy um, and determining the type of content you need to be relevant to your customers and prospects. Okay, yeah, I mean... It that's the important thing, right? Is it's really, I mean, you, you have to really understand your customers, right? Because you got to know how to sell them and how to market to them and know their pain points. What kind of learnings can we expect from buyer persona research? You know, like why would a, what would, what's a C-level going to look at or a chief marketing officer and what kind of questions are we trying to get answered here specifically? Well, I mean, in terms of what to expect, um, the, the thing that I like about persona research versus other types of um, less in-depth research is that you find the 
unexpected insights that you wouldn't say from researching online or just what you know within the company. Um, those types of things, your competition knows too. What you're trying to find through biopersona research is some unexpected insights. Um, and the whole point of the research is learning how to be as relevant as possible with your content to your prospects and customers. You just don't want to be droning on and on about what you find particularly interesting. You want to provide information that prospects and customers find useful. Um, so the key to biopersona research is really to um, elicit people's motivations and understand how buying cycles work. And who, of course, who's involved in those decisions, because you'll talk to one person and they'll say, well, I did this, but then I got stopped at this point because then I had to talk to the CIO, or I needed more budget, I had to convince him, whatever, whatever the issues are. Um, so when you're doing research, what you want to find out is, the first thing you want to find out is what triggers um, prospects to search for a solution and, and make it a priority. Because what you find is in the business world, everyone has a million priorities and it's probable that this issue that they're solving has been on their to-do list for you know, months. But what you really want to understand is what moved it to the top of that list. Um, and that's, you know, that's the only, you can only find that out by actually talking with people. Um, it, yeah, I understand that. Sure, sure. A little more specific, like examples of the most important questions that you want to ask, typically. Right. So, um, so you want to find out the step, you know, what are the steps in their buying process? And, and you don't actually ask that question. You just sort of follow them through the process. Um, and then you want to find out who's influencing the decision making, who's, you know, putting the brakes on, what obstacles they run into along the way. And um, also, what questions are they asking? That's very important to know the questions that they're asking as they go through the process, because those are the things that you want to provide information about in your content well let me give you an example um, let's say we're selling I don't know like financial accounting software or something like that right I mean or they're upgrading their financial systems so obviously there's some pain points and you want to ask probably some specific questions about like what are your business challenges? Why is your current system not working? What kind of solutions you're looking for? Features and and how to make those decisions? Um, things like that, right, Carolyn? Get very specific on uh, well, their own pain points and challenges. You, want, you, you really want? I mean, say say someone's looking for some kind of upgrading their accounting software. I mean, the first thing is what triggered you to decide to upgrade your software. I mean, again, this is probably someone who's had software they're not thrilled with for a while, right? And they've had a million other things to worry about, like, you know, getting getting the books done every month. They, they haven't been, had time to worry about the software, which could help them. Um, and you may find out, you know, this person's very proactive. They're always looking to streamline things. A lot, a lot of accounting people are that way by nature. So that, that may be it, or it may be that they had a huge snafu on the books and 
that created a lot of pain and running around. And then they're like, finally, that was the trigger that made them do it. So then you're learning that there are different types of pain points. You've got the, the person who's proactive, who's, you know, it's not so much of a pain, just, just a normal, I want to do business better. And then you've got the person who creates a whole chaos and then decides it's time to do something better. And that's their trigger. Right. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. A lot of companies might assume they know their audiences, but I mean, this is kind of like a um, an opportunity to really do detailed conversations with these stakeholders. Because at the end of the day, you want to, this is all part of marketing optimization, right? You can't assume, you know, what their business challenges are. You can talk to them, talk to salespeople, but you really get the gist of the decision making. And, and like you said, questions they ask through the buyer's journey by speaking to them directly. When you do buyer persona research for a company, you know, we identify that they need to do this and in order to build a, a robust content plan. I mean, how many stakeholders need to be questioned? And do you talk to different people? Is it hard to get through to these people, seniority level? What's your strategy of, um, do you just basically identify the key um, decision makers? Do you want to expand on that? Well, generally, I like to do a good start, I think, is eight to 10 interviews. Um, and then to assess where you are after you've done those interviews. I mean, are you getting some consistent patterns that are emerging? And if, if you've seen consistent patterns, then, then you probably have enough interviews. Um, but if you feel there's some gaps or you need more clarity, then you may need to do a few more interviews and generally we do a mix of different levels that we think are involved in the decision making but you may find you may be talking to a manager and that manager can give you some insights about a c-level person and their role in decision making so you can use you can use different aspects to to develop the whole um, buying process and who's in involved and, and what those people are like. Mm -hmm. so, when, when you actually, uh, when, when go ahead. You have that, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm kind of going on to a little tangent here, but something I, I like to talk about is sometimes sure. clients come to us and, and they want to, um, they say we want a persona for this type of person, maybe the manager, we want a persona the CIO, we want a persona for this industry, they'll tell you maybe what personas they want. And then when you get into it, um, you find there's a lot of commonalities or, and, or that it breaks down differently. So I advise against pre-determining who your personas are going to be. Because in the end, what you really want to do is do as few personas as possible, because you don't want to have more different types of content than you need, um, but do as many as necessary. So really wait till the research is done before you decide how many personas you need. Right. I think it all depends also on, you know, the conversations with clients and who they uh, typically sell to and how many, I mean, obviously when you're a C-level or chief operating officer, for example, there's big picture needs you know, for the profit and they're always looking at revenue and P&L statements and long-term growth, 
you know, what the objective is, where, like you said, managers have different needs, maybe efficiency and more better process, save time, things like that. And then that's basically you're starting to build different personas for the same company because they have different needs, mm -hmm. right? Right, right. And often people think, well, we, if we could just get in at the sea level, but honestly, I mean, you often find out that a lot of the work is done lower down in the organization. And if they're delegating and trusting their people, you do need to um, talk, talk to those people because they're the ones who are doing the due diligence in the background. Right. You probably have to do a lot of research also because obviously it's hard to get in. Even though typically we question uh, clients' current customers, right? Because they're the ones who's typically making the introductions and about this research, right? But mm -hmm. if obviously, hopefully that, that works out, but I know you have to get through gatekeepers sometimes, and sometimes these people are hard to get a hold of, you know. And um, what other ways are there to do? Well, go ahead. Now, generally, the, the way I do it is, is you know, I, I work obviously usually with, with a client, and the client will find the people for me to talk with and, right. and have agreements up front that I am going to spend. Because it's a lot of right, right. an yeah. interview lasts at least half an hour. So it's usually, I don't usually worry about getting through gatekeepers that's not an issue for me i'm i'm usually it's preset it's a professional interview it's it's not like a, a survey that you might get on the phone right oh yeah i understand that um but uh if you get information that may not be totally do you ever support the interviews with online research and surveys generally speaking about pain points and business challenges or is it or maybe sometimes you can't get there, you have to talk to salespeople anyway. Are there other methods that you use besides the general interview? In the, in the past, I have, I think the best thing is to do the in-depth interviews as much as much as possible. Um, and I have supplemented that in the past with online research and that, I mean, that's helpful to complete a picture, but it's really not going to get you that much further than your competition can get um, easily. So um, I, I've done it. Um, the other thing I have done um, is talk with salespeople, but I, I don't necessarily recommend it. Um, and so sometimes I'm, I'm working with a client and they're like, well, our salespeople really know the market well. Um, we really think you can do it that way. And sometimes the only way to convince them that they're not going to get that whole picture that way is, is to talk to the salespeople. So I've done it. And what you have to understand is salespeople, you, I mean, you know the statistic, Paul. Um, sure. They, buyers, don't, buyers don't reach out to salespeople until they're 57% through the buying cycle. Now, when, once they get on the phone with the salesperson, the salesperson's not going to say, well, tell me your process. What were you doing up to this point? No, the salesperson's going to take it from there and go forward, right? They want the sale. That's their job. Their job is not understanding that first 57%. So when you talk to the salespeople, they absolutely, they know very, very little about that first, that first and very important part of the buying cycle. And um, they don't know where the prospects go to for information 
as they move through that buying journey. Um, they don't know what triggers a customer to prioritize the problem. They're just happy that the customer's there trying to solve it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and they don't really understand the purchase bar barriers, except, of course, the one you always hear, which is price. Um, <laughs> yeah, really. I could go on and on, but basically, they don't, they don't know what they don't know. And, and I have respect for that. It's not like I'm saying they're, they're not doing their jobs. That's not part of their job. They know the whole buying cycle and every bit of what their customers are doing before they reach out. Um, and then and then the other part is when you get to, you ask them, more, well, what are the decision-making you know, how, how do your customers make a decision? At that point, a salesperson suddenly becomes confident when I'm talking to them and they reel off all these ideas about what, you know, how the decision is made. And as I listen more and more, I'm like, oh, they're just going into their sales spiel now. This isn't necessarily what's going on. This is just what they're familiar with. Um, so I, I caution against talking with salespeople. You may want to start with a few sales interviews just to get the lay of the land, but certainly don't leave it there. You're not going to get the true insights. For sure. Let's uh, transition over to after the research because that's not the deliverable, really. The deliverable is what you do with it. What's the... Uh, the plan here of the objective in order to start building a more robust marketing plan and lead generation plan. So mm -hmm. we, then we take the personas and typically we build a content map, right? Based on these personas yeah. and you, and you want to explain all that and how basically, you know, visually explain how that works. So that, the listeners understand what this means and how it's organized, that kind of thing? So, so basically, once you've done the research, now you have a full understanding of your prospects and customers and the questions they ask as they're going through that buying cycle. And this is the information you can use to create your content map. And basically what your content map is, is it's like a GPS that gives you directions um, for your content um, from the initial awareness all through the decision-making point in the buying cycle. So what you have is for each buying stage, so you have awareness, you have interest, um, you have decision-making, it's going to outline, the content map will outline the, the questions that your prospects are asking at that point, and it will also provide suggested working topics to answer those questions. And it may get as detailed to specify specific contact for content formats, um, such as blogs, white papers, webinars, whatever we've found during the research is most um, relevant to your audience. Right, right. I mean, it, it does set the stage for marketing execution and you know, the lead nurturing, things like that. You know, I have my own list here I can comment on. So, the, I mean, bottom line is the content map. Basically, this is a summary. It goes through all your research and what questions people ask through the buying phase. And then we have a different chart, basically, for each persona, right? And 
that helps determine content marketing plans for each audience kind of um, is a sets the stage for account-based marketing programs too, because that's all about personalization and, um, mm -hmm. you know, so I know some topics of course can cover all audiences and then, um, but this is all about relevancy really and relevant content, relevant webinars based on those personas. So some of the things I wanted to comment on and say, okay, we've done all this. Here's the content plan, the map. Um, what next, right? So then we go into, okay, what, mm -hmm. what do we do with it, right? And I have a few things here. You can mm -hmm. chime in a few others. I mean, obviously, you assess your own website and do the pain points and challenges and solutions, things like that that you have found. Does that relate to the website? Right, because at the end of the day, Absolutely. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, we always talk about websites and what's in it for me. Headline. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. It could be a lot, right? It could be the whole homepage. Like, you know, it's you know we like we always you know you know me. <laughs> what's that, Carolyn? It could be a complete reorganization of your website. I mean, yeah, you don't want yeah. it to have to be that, but you may find that out that the way you've organized it isn't around the true segments that you need to appeal to in the best way. Right, right. Well, that's part of the whole process here of what we do, right, is we do the plan and then we put the recommendations of how to execute the plan. And it could be the website. It also could be, mm -hmm. you know, determining white papers and webinars based on these audiences. and. You know, what, what are our topics? What are people going to be interested in? You know, how do we solve business problems with these topics? And this whole content mapping persona research, you know, that, that's the clue, right? Tells you what get, gives you the ideas of uh, what to test and what to write. And hopefully... It's really... It's pretty cool because basically it's, it's kind of a little cheat sheet, but this is how we move forward. And instead of second guessing yourself the whole time you're creating content, you know what your buyers and prospects are looking for. So you don't have to keep reinventing the wheel. You're going in the right direction. Right. And we're also talking about things like a, uh, a blog calendar, you know, to come up with subjects of blogs, you know, keeping in mind SEO as well. But again, blogs turn into email newsletters, which means your lead nurturing programs, right? And that means mm -hmm. based on these personas, I, I, you know, ideally you have different segments of audiences. It's not just job title, but it, it's really the content plan, the, the, the nurture sequencing plan. And that's something we always have to assess and look at when we come up with ideas, like who's the audience? Does it match the persona's needs? Things like that. Why, why would these people care, right? So, um, so think about that. I mean, this is all setting the stage for your marketing automation program and, um, and account-based marketing. And you know, it's also ad campaigns too, right, Carolyn? I mean, it, it's, we target audiences, we write ads, paid search or display ads or marketing with publishers, you know, the messaging, the creative, all has to address 
pain points and business challenges that are relevant to the audience who are um, engaged in these uh, content portals and websites. It, you know, the bottom line is you right. get better qualified leads and that's the bottom line, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've got the right, right advertising out there with the right headline that hits on the pain point, then you get the right person. So it's a nice little formula. It is. Well, at the end of the day, it's, it's what we call, you know, demand generation, best practice, attracting people with the right messaging and converting them with the right messaging. It all goes into conversion optimization when you think about it. And then once these people become leads, um, actually I'm going to have one final question for you is we think this is all of a marketing tactic, but it's really a company tactic and goes to the sales teams as well. Um, one of my questions is, you know, how can sales teams best use buyer persona research, their advantages, any thoughts? Well, I think, I mean, salespeople really love buyer personas from my experience. I mean, I've even had clients where I'm doing the persona research and I'm doing the interviews and I usually get transcripts made of my interviews and some of the clients have sent those transcripts out to the salespeople as they're being produced before I even write the report because they find them so interesting. Um, because like I said before, they don't have the time to dig deeply into the issues their clients are trying to address. Um, so they like having the research at their fingertips that helps them figure out their buyer's needs. But what's really powerful for them is when it's matched with the content that addresses those needs. And then it can be really empowering to them. Sure. Their own social sharing and maybe they're using sales enablement tools to share content with their prospects and using this kind of research in the content map, they'll be able to customize the messaging they send to their prospects. And that's pretty huge because it's again, using the word relevancy and, uh, and, and, sh and building trust with your prospects. And that's because you're sharing content that's relevant to them that they're interested in reading. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the salesperson understands why their prospect needs this information. They, they have the rationale behind it. So that helps. Yeah, for sure. Well, we can go further, but I, I want to um, just basically summarize here that this was an interesting conversation and something that really shouldn't, be taken lightly yeah you know, I mean you, unless you really really know your customers it's you know we never like to hear oh we know who our audience is well do you do you <laughs> think about it uh, if your sales closing rates are not where they should be maybe it's because you're not asking the right questions or understanding their deep needs and that's why you need these buyer persona reports of just whether it validates what you know or it can bring up new insights right Carolyn Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's the new insights that you really want. Sure. Especially as millennials get in more decision-making roles, they have different needs than maybe um, senior executives, things like that. So and it's changing and you got to stay up to speed. Well, thanks, Carolyn. Uh, this is a really good um, conversation. And again, don't take it lightly out there. Um, you need this if you want to stay competitive and grow your market share 
little things mean a lot, and this is a, a big thing by Persona Research. It sets the stage for your whole marketing program. All right, Carolyn, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Sure, my pleasure. All right, till next time, this is Paul Mosenson. Talk to you soon. Fix the convince. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to get more marketing optimization insights. Fix the convince.